0: Hi, this is John Breyer with Mainly Matters, and today we're joined by Rusty Valley. Rusty is the president and CEO of the Main Thread Company, a family-owned business, which has operated in Lewiston, Maine, for well over 50 years. Um, Rusty, thanks for coming on the show today.
1: Yeah, thank you, John. It's good to be here.
0: Yeah, thanks. So uh, tell us a little bit about the history of the Main Thread Company. You know, when did it start? Who started it? And, and how has it yeah. continued to be a family-owned business for over 50 years?
1: Yeah, um, my grandfather uh, Alfred uh, Honey Baril. They everyone called him Honey, and you know what? I'm I'm really not exactly sure why, but um, I should have asked him. But he passed away in '89. But um, he's the one that started. He was born in uh, 1912 in Lowell, Massachusetts. Uh, You know, big family. You know, they were they were really poor. uh, Like seven kids, seven eight kids in the family. You know, sleeping two to three to a bed and um, so it, you know, it was, uh, kind of a tough upbringing for him, but, um, but he was a hard worker, um, and, um, they all worked for the shoe shops. Um, all, everyone in the family had to drop out of school, uh, to go to work to help support the family. And, um, in, at some point the factory he was working for, it was a shoe factory uh, called Lombard Watson. Um, they moved the whole factory to, to Auburn, Maine. And at that time, when the factory moved, they the employees moved with them. I mean, that's how tight knit those um, shoe shops and the other industries were. So the whole shop moved to Auburn, and him and his family came with him. And um, after a while, he started uh, his own business, uh, supplying the shoe business, uh, supplying the shoe business. Not just because uh, he had worked he had worked for the shoe business so long, he knew everybody. Um, and, uh, he'd worked his way up to the general manager. And then at some point, uh, in the sixties, he, uh, he decided to open his own business and start selling, you know, supplies to the shoe industry. And, um, and, uh, that, I mean, that's where it all started. Um, he also had a rubber company, uh, Lewiston rubber and also main thread. So, um, wow. Um, and, and yeah. It- and, um, so yeah, that was the beginning and then, um, you know, over the years, um, my, he, uh, my mom, um, he kind of passed the business on to my mom and dad. Uh, my mom, um, I mean, my dad's the one that, uh, ran it for, for years, uh, after my grandfather, uh, stepped, stepped aside. So, um, so then after, you know, um, uh, after a while I came along after college and I mean, I worked growing up in it. So, um, I came along and I just stuck with it. Everyone in my family kinda came and went, but I I don't know, I liked it so so I I, uh, yeah, still here.
0: <laughs> that's great. Did did uh yeah. honey sounds like a very interesting man. Uh that's that's quite, oh he was a, a character.
1: Yeah. He really was. He was and, awesome. And Lowell one of my heroes.
0: Of course, sounds like it. And, and Lowell Mass is a big factory, uh used to be a a big, you know, mill town factory town actually. And um I'm familiar yeah. with that because my parents actually live in Chelmsford, which is right, right next door to Lowell. Uh, so I can see how he started there and then and then ended up in Maine. I, I didn't know that's how the Maine Thread Company got to Maine, so that's that's interesting to hear. Yeah. Um, can well, one question: You mentioned that uh, you started after college. Did you know in college that that's what you wanted to do, or is it just something you kind of grew into? Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, when growing up, of course, I always worked. Uh, you know, weekends or. or Summers at the factory and doing you know whatever I could to fit in here, but I I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, so when I went to college, I was um, I was in education, but I really did not think I was going to go into education. Um, so I, I kind of thought I was going to stay stay right with the business, and then that's how it worked out. Um, I, I did try education, and I, I wasn't I wasn't very uh, I don't know, I didn't like it that much. I see. I, but I, when I was younger, I liked to coach and work with kids, so right. I thought that might be a way. But 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 I just love the business, so I, right. I wanted to come right back to it.
0: And you went you went to the University of Maine at Orono. I know that because um, yeah, we were actually fraternity brothers, Beta Theta Pi. So yeah. Um, that's yeah, how, that's how I met Rusty many years ago.
1: Um, so. Those are the good old days. We had a lot of a lot of fun up there. No yeah. Doubt
0: absolutely so can you tell us a little bit about how the main thread company has changed over the years um obviously you know when when honey started it i guess in 1965 um Mm -hmm. i would assume that the products you made might be different than what you do today or maybe they're not but could could you tell us like what's the same and what is different
1: yeah um in 65 main thread was a supplier to the shoe industry it wasn't um manufacturing anything Was you know a distributor for the big thread companies and and uh, tax and other um, supplies that go into shoes. So he stocked and delivered and and you know sold sales and distribution basically to all the shoe factories that were um, in the Auburn, Lewiston, and Maine. Uh, And there were a lot of them. It was they were everywhere. (laughs) So. So that's what he did. He sold, you know, he go and call on customers and, um, and stock the products they would need. Um, and then over the years, we started making uh, or selling hand sewing thread, uh, which is a waxed polyester thread that's used for hand sewing a shoe. And in 1985, we bought a company in Rhode Island and moved them up to Maine, the, the manufacturing of hand sewing thread. So. That is when we started not only just selling but also manufacturing. So that's uh, that was a big a big step, and uh, it, it really it, it paid off. In, you know, for the long haul because it's uh, it's good to be able to control um, the products that you're the product you're selling. You know, right in under your own roof. So
0: sure, sure. Wow, that's interesting. I, I didn't know that you had acquired a company. Um... I knew that you made wax thread, but I didn't know that that was a shift. So you went from kind of a distributing, distributorship Mm -hmm. business where you supplied the shoe industry with products that other people made and that you, you know, carried and and kept in house to actually being a producer of Mm -hmm. products. That's that's kind of a bold step. How many employees do you currently have at the main thread company?
1: Just six of us. um, Well, I have six employees. And uh, we've got we've got a lot of space here, um, like fifteen thousand square feet, and we have two floors. Six of us, so that like, you know, we and, and a lot of people do you know more than one job. Right. Uh, so we can you know upstairs, downstairs, uh, however, wherever, and someone's needed. So
0: sounds like a hefty heating so, bill in the winter.
1: Yeah, fortunately, it's part of the rent.
0: Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So, yeah. uh, tell yeah. tell us. You mentioned wax thread, and and I know from you know reading your your your, some information on your website and talking to you prior to this show that that that's one of your primary products so um how is wax thread made you know people out here that are listening they might have no idea what wax thread is and and is it made the same way today as it was you know years ago or have things changed in the way that wax thread is
1: made yeah well there's a lot of different uh, ways you can make thread and wax thread there's different um Uh, You know, there's twisting and braiding, and there's uh, monofilament, and there's a lot of different uh, ways to make thread. But we make a a twisted uh, thread with the right twist um, and then wax it. Way back in the day, uh, the waxed hand sewing threads that were used for linen, um, and then along came nylon, which was, you know, stronger and lasted longer. So everyone, you know, that, that industry switched to nylon, and then Polyester, dacron, you know, DuPont came along, and that's a new product. So, it's evolved from linen to nylon, and now the go-to for a you know a hand-sewn shoe is a poly, a wax polyester thread. So, I mean, that's that's where we are today. um But as far as how we make it, it's basically we're making it the same way that we always did. Wow. Uh, but just different different material.
0: So you actually you you. You have machines that make the you know the thread from start to finish. Apply the wax, and you do the yep. whole thing. Yep. And and what is the benefit yep. of waxed thread? Is it you, you mentioned shoes? Is it because it's waterproof? Is that what the waxing does, or does it make it stronger? Or what what's the purpose of waxing the thread?
1: Yeah, it's um well with our type of thread, it's uh, whenever you put a, a something on a thread after it's you make the thread, it's called a finish. So I mean, there's glazing. There's a soft finish, which is nothing. There's waxing. There's different things that you can put on um, thread as a finish. Um, we use wax because that's what's used when you're sewing through leather. It, it, it makes it, uh, well, for one thing, it, it holds the thread together nicely, so mm-hmm. it doesn't unravel on you. But it also, it glides through the leather, the holes, after, when you uh, you know, cut the hole with an awl. You Interesting. have to pull it through the leather. It, it cuts down on the friction, so you pull it through. And it, and it does add uh, water repellent, um, you know, characteristics also.
0: Sure. Interesting. Now, um, wax thread has primarily been used over the years in the shoe industry, and, and you said that's what really started your company um, back yep. when your grandfather started it, but I, I know uh, from doing some research on your company that a lot of your customers use wax thread in other ways uh, that have nothing to do with shoes. Can you, can you just tell us some of the things that people are out there oh, yeah. using wax? Thread yeah. For? It's,
1: it, it's really, it's kind of exciting to see. Um, because my whole life uh, when I was a kid, we, we would ship, you know, just to domestically here to the USA uh, to shoe factories and that was hundred like percent of the business. Um, And then over the years, and then it started. um, We started exporting because all the shoe factories um, left, left you know, to cheaper labor. So we were shipping all over the world. And then, uh, but now it's the cottage industry people, the makers. They probably you might have heard that word. Everybody's uh, instead of do it yourself or whatever. The new thing is the makers of. of today, and they they make they make wallets, and they make uh, they make their own shoes, and they they do incredible things. And, and I mean, people send us photos, and they send us you know samples of the things that they've made. Some of the pine needle baskets that they they put together with our wax cord is just incredible. It's just it's hard to believe. Or just baskets just using the cord itself. Um, I've had. Um, People tell me they use it to braid their horse's horses' manes, uh, hmm. bagpipe reeds they wrap with it. Um, wow. There's a company here in Portland called Sea Bags. They take old sails, they cut them up and they make bags. Well, they use our wax cord to, like, uh, whip the ends of the, the handle, the rope handles. Uh, there's just so many things that uh, it's used for, and it's really exciting when uh, – uh, you know when when they, people tell us and they're proud to you know show us the pictures and sure. Instagram's just full, full of it. You
0: know it's great. Wow, that's uh, that's interesting, and I'm sure uh, Honey would be amazed if he knew yeah, know. if I, he knew where his initial vision has gone to. Uh, that's that's pretty amazing. It's good to hear. Yeah, um, I know that if your factory. Uh, I've actually been in it uh, some years ago. You gave me a tour. Um, I know it, that the yeah. factory's in oh, it. Oh yeah. Yeah, so I know right. it's in an old building, and uh, you showed me some of the machines, and I've also, I follow you on Facebook, so I know you, you your company posts some very interesting things. If you're interested, people should go to Facebook and and, and search Main Thread. You, you've got these machines in there that you know look like they were something from I don't know medieval times. They were purchased I know decades mm-hmm. ago, and it's very yeah. interesting to actually see these mechanical machines making this thread and, and how complex it actually is so can you tell us a little bit about the building and the machines on the factory floor and how do you keep them running because they look really complicated yeah. you know so it's interesting yeah. tell, tell us a little about those machines. yeah
1: it's true i mean we are our, our twisters are the main uh our main you know uh machinery because that's what twists they apply the, all the yarns together that we make because people order different sizes so we have to take you know, three plies, we have to have seven plies of, of yarn, industrial synthetic, um, high tenacity yarns. We twist together. So we've got a twister on the bottom floor, which is a Collins Brothers, and it was built in like 1950 or 49 or about 1950, it was built. So, I mean, that's an old machine, but you know, it just keeps running and it's gears. There's no electronics on it. So, I mean, we, if something goes bad, you know, we replace a gear, we replace a belt. Um, we, you know, keep it oiled, so keep it greased, so we can keep it going. And then upstairs, we've got a, uh, what's called a Meadows, uh, built by a Lowell, Sokolol, Sokolol, uh, machinery company in 1960. So that's not much newer, but, but I mean, it does the job and it's, it's, built the same way it's heavy it's metal it's uh, gears and it's um you know spindles and, and and things that we know about so so we can keep it going and uh but we do have some newer winders and things you know as we kind of grow and progress you need new machinery you can't always buy you know the old stuff and some of the new stuff comes in and, you know you have to have electronics on it which is is fine but it's just things that you know i i can't readily fix like I could turning a wrench on a gear. Right. But, right. Sure. But, but it gives you an advantage of, you know, you know, being able to program things the way exactly the way you want them. So we do have some winders that have a little, uh, you know, more capabilities. And you asked about the building. It's um, about 150 years old. Uh, we're in what's called the Pepperell Mill in Lewiston. Um, it was originally built in like the, 1875 around there, and it was the, called the Lewiston Bleachery and Dye Works. This is where they used to uh, uh, dye uh, fabrics for like Bates Mill and all the, all the uh, textile companies that were right here in Lewiston. It's, it's, a, it's a really fabulous town. Um, if you appreciate it, you know, if you really open your eyes and just look at some of the structures that were built here, mm-hmm. these big, huge brick buildings and the canals that run... Run these buildings that ran these buildings because the Anderscoggin River is why they at this Lewiston Auburn was settled as it was because the water power is what ran all the factories. And I mean, if you go downstairs in our factory, you can see the turbine that where the water came through, and you've got these huge metal wheels, pulleys on the ceiling that that there was wrapped belts around it that went the whole length, ran the machinery here. It's just, it's fascinating. It really is. Um, <laughs> if you really take a minute to really look at what, what's in front of us, it was incredible that they could build these, build these canals and these buildings 150 years ago without the technology and the machines and the lifts and everything else that we have today. It's just a, it's a marvel. I, I, I appreciate it. I think it's great. It's cool. It's that,
0: it, cool. that is amazing. And I do remember, when I, now that you mention it, when you gave me the tour, I do remember the belt system up on the ceiling, mm-hmm. and, and yep. just being like, like wow, like who thought of that, and how did it actually work? But so that, that's just, yep. that's amazing history there. So you're a main base company, obviously the main thread company, and you sell, yep. you know, domestically, but you also sell internationally. As you have mm-hmm. mentioned, you know what percentage of your sales are international uh, versus domestic, and what do you? you... know,
1: it's it, it's yeah, I'll, it's gone it's gone it's it's coming full circle, I guess you'd say. Back when I started, when I was a teenager, everything was like hundred percent domestic. We just shipped to all the shoe factories right around here, in well, all around the country, but a lot in New England, a lot in New England. I mean, we got G H Bass and um, you know Sperry stride right right? and just everybody was right here and it was it was fantastic we'd load up the car and make deliveries you know a couple times a week and and, um but then when the factories left we had to kind of chase it chase these factories around the world and try to find out where they were who the people were uh how can we sell sell to these factories because our, our our base was gone so so in the eighties, um, we were probably in the nineties and two thousands, we were, you know, increasingly shipping more overseas. And to the point where we got to like, it was about 80% was, we were shipping overseas. And, uh, but now it's that it's, it's, it's coming back a little bit, especially this year, because I mean, um, you know, with the Corona, the, all the factories shut down. So we started to ship more, uh, In the states here, but what we're shipping in the states isn't to big factories. It's to individuals. It's to wholesalers that that um, use our wax cord for the other uses that I said, not just making footwear, but for the cottage industry people that are making wind chimes, or they're making bags, or they're making wallets, or they're making leather bags, or koozies, or or pine needle baskets, or everything else that they make with it. So at this point, I'd probably say that only like sixty five percent is shipped overseas and maybe 35% here in the
0: States. So interesting. And one thing I'm noticing here and talking with you, Rusty is that the the main thread company, if you look back at it historically to where you are now, you've, you've been very innovative and nimble. Um, you know, you mentioned mm-hmm. that originally you were just selling uh, supplies and yes, then you, right. then you shifted gears to become a manufacturer. Then you shifted gears to become uh, from domestic to, to more to an international and, and, then, and then you diversified your customer base um, into not just the shoe industry. So you, you've been pretty nimble. It's interesting to hear. You mentioned, you mentioned uh, COVID and um, how that's, you know, impacted your business a little bit uh, from a sales perspective. I know that in Maine, uh, a lot of businesses have been hurt by the pandemic mm-hmm. and the COVID situation. Um, all over the country, businesses have been hurt, of course. Um, but Maine... Um, is in particular, it has been, been heard. It's a tourist industry, a lot of hospitality services. We actually yep. spoke with the uh, mayor of Bangor. Uh, Dan Trumbull was on the show uh, last week, or actually a couple of weeks ago, and, and he talked about how how COVID has had a pretty serious effect on this, on Bangor and the state overall from a business perspective. With, with the Made Thread Company, um have, has it affected you in any you know significant way, other than maybe giving you some more business on the domestic sales side? Has, has the way you run your company actually been affected, or have you been able to kind of navigate it okay due to the fact that you've you've got a relatively large facility and a small amount of employees?
1: Yeah, absolutely, it did affect us. And uh, I mean, go back to in March, the end of March, and. Governor Mills declared the, uh, you know, the stay at home, you know, uh, you know, only the, um, necessary businesses could work. I mean, it, we were, the, the, basically the state was shut down at the very end of March. I got my employees together. I remember it was on a Thursday and I said, you know, we, uh, we're going to have to close. I mean, that's what we're going to have to do. So, uh, that was on a Thursday. So Friday, nobody came in. Uh, we, uh, we just, I decided to close, and Friday I was at home, and I was just like, I can't do this. I mean, I've, I come to this, my, this place, and we work, I mean, my whole life. And it's like, I just I don't understand why I would have, have to close this place. I think that we can work, work around that. We can do it. So I got I everybody back, and we, uh, we um, came right back to work. I mean, some people were working from home, um, and some people were in here. But like I said, we got 15,000 square feet and only six employees we can socially distance. And, and what we needed to do to stay busy because all the factories went dead. I mean, we're shipping all over the world, and they had corona too. I mean, El Salvador and China, and, and the, I mean, it's everywhere, right? right. So the big factories, they, all, they basically closed or went down to like 50%. So we didn't have much work. So we started, to, to be an essential business, we started making masks. Um, you know, and mm-hmm. the, the challenge right there was no materials. There were, you couldn't get the stuff. You couldn't get the elastic. You couldn't get uh, the cloth. Nobody was open. It, but we, you know, we we hustled and we got what we needed. And uh, we had some people making masks at home. We had some people making masks here. And at the same time, our website and our, uh, you know, selling the smaller put-ups of the wax cords that I, for, you know, the people, the makers of, of the, of the world mm-hmm. they went crazy because i mean a lot of people were home and they wanted these they wanted their supplies so they could do what they love to do and uh that picked up i don't know 20 25 and we were making mass and uh before long well it wasn't well it was quite a way i mean six months later you know by the fall um the factories started making again so then we finally got back to to wow. normal um uh, I mean as far as business goes with the factories are picking up again but mm-hmm. but I mean we still we're still fighting the 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 covid of course just like everyone else is sure. trying to stay healthy.
0: Well again another um in, insight into your nimbleness and uh the the entrepreneurial spirit that I think the main thread company represents from 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 honey starting it to, to today we're learning some interesting things so even in that that little uh, six-month, seven-month period of time, uh, you, you were able to yeah. adapt, change your way of thinking, and and actually, sounds like, find some success within that downturn. So that that's good to hear. Your company's been in Maine for a long time, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. So how do you find the business climate in Maine? Is it, Does it affect you in any way? Has it been a good one to operate in over the years? Or is it just not something you even really think about because you're just chugging along doing your thing?
1: I, th- I think you kind of hit it. Um, you know, there's probably, I'm sure there's better places, uh, that you could do. I mean, easier places to run a business. Um, obviously we're at the end of the line when it comes to freight. So, our, you know, freight costs are probably higher here than some places. Uh, obviously, um, your heating costs, electricity bills and heating costs in the winter are, are, are hard, very hard. Um, but as far as you know, and I, I guess that maybe the, the uh, Maine tax rate is is higher than some other places. But it's it's where I it's where I grew up. I like Maine, and, and uh, I, I don't complain about it. I remember my grandfather and my dad saying, you know, if you if you're not if you're not able to pay your, your bills, then you, you're not selling enough, or you're not you know you're not working hard enough, or you know you got to find a way. If if I want to be here, then I'm going to find a way to make it work. So I just got to, I'm not going to go try to lobby the government, uh, lo- lobby at the state house to, you know, lower my taxes by 2% or something. I'm going to, I'm just going to hustle a little more and I'm I'm going to make it work. So, I mean, that's kind of the, the outlook I've already always uh, taken. So Right. Well, that's good so, to hear. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it sounds yeah. like you're doing it. And, um, I yeah. know, I know you, uh, uh, when you're not working, I know you, 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 uh, live on a lake so that that Mm. that kind of makes it pretty amazing um too
1: yeah we uh we we raised our family in in turner maine which is uh you know about a half an hour 20 minutes from lewiston and then um when the kids were grown and we uh decided to sell the place there in turner and move to oxford on thompson lake and it's just it's, it's beautiful because no matter how good or a bad day you've had whatever you always go home and it's just a it's serene and it's just beautiful so
0: absolutely it's, it's nothing it's better nice. nothing better than on a, yeah. a main lake i know that myself yeah. and uh, that's good to know so um, you know as we start to wrap up here what are the challenges you see facing the main thread company over the next say 3 to 5 years and and what are some of the opportunities within those challenges like do you do you see anything on the um, horizon that that you need to be prepared for, or do you pretty much just keep <laughs> going and, and and see if you have to change as, as things develop?
1: Yeah, well, one big thing that happened last year was uh, my daughter uh, came into the company, my daughter Jennifer. She had been teaching for five or six years, and she was great at it, and they loved to have her in the schools, but she it just wasn't the career path that she she decided that wasn't what she wanted for a career so I always knew she had a a nose for business and I was delighted when she came to me and said she wanted to come into the business because I mean I'm third generation and I was thinking for a while that well uh, this might be it you know (laughs) but when she decided to come in it just it it just re-energized me and uh, she's excellent she's She brings so much to this company that that um, we didn't have before. I mean, some creativity and just knowledge and and just a good head on our shoulders. So um, very excited that uh, Jen's with the business now, fourth generation. Um, Other things that we're looking forward to is um, um, we're going to start making a different type of thread. We've we've been twisting thread for for years. Well, for. Thirty, uh, what is it? 50, a long time, <laughs> about thirty-five years. We've been twisted thread right here, but I'm uh, gonna start doing some braided threads also, which is uh, a whole new ball game. So that's something that uh, that we're gonna look forward to later. Probably will be up and running by hopefully by June. But you know, when you say challenges, um, with my daughter here in the next three to five years, I'm gonna have to start letting go of a few things, and you know. Um, you know, tra- doing a little bit of transition, you know, so she can learn some of the things that I've been doing. Um, and that's sometimes hard, you know, when you're doing something your whole life or, for, for many years. It's like, well, now I have to let somebody else do this, even though I'm the one that always does it, you know what I mean? So, I mean, that's just something. Well, I look forward to it as well. But yeah, that'll be... Uh, well, and the other challenge, you know, is just like, I've always thought, you know what, I don't want to be... <laughs> my grandfather started this, my dad ran it for years and I've been running it for years. I don't want to be the one that makes this, I don't want to sink this boat. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it, it's, it's not, it's not always easy to achieve, a, you know, get to the top of the mountain and stay there. You know what I mean? It's, you really gotta, you really can't let your guard down because I want to keep this thing going. And
0: uh, Sure. Well, that that's, that's great, Rusty. I mean, this has been a, a more informative and and, and thought-provoking uh, discussion than I originally thought it would be because you've really touched upon a lot of things and, uh, j- you know, outside of the threat industry, just, um, you know, from, from a business perspective and from a, a family history perspective and, and hearing you talk about... Um, The fact that, you know, you got into education, but then Mm -hmm. decided it wasn't what you wanted to do. And somehow you got back to the main thread company. And then to hear that your daughter went into education for, you know, half a decade and then decided that she was willing to leave that to come back to the main thread company. And now you're talking about handing over the reins. So to speak, right. over the next three to five years, or, or you know, letting go of certain things as she brings her creativity and vision into the company, it's kind of like, to me, uh, listening and to our listeners. I mean, you can your grandfather did it, and then your father did it, yep. and then you yep. did it, and and now your your daughter's going to do it. So that, that's amazing. That's a great uh, story above and beyond um, thread. So I, I really yeah. really appreciate yeah. you taking the time to talk with us today. Uh, it's been very informative and interesting. Definitely wish you the best um, for the people that are listening. How can they find out about the main thread company, uh, your website? Oh,
1: if anyone's interested, yeah, they can just go on the, uh, on the the old internet there, Google, and just put in main thread company. And we'll come up main or on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we're, we're out there. We've, we've got some great, great customers and, uh, and, and they, they, we appreciate them sure leave it at that
0: alright so mainthread.com is your website mainthread.com people can check it out I've done it it's interesting you see some of those machines definitely uh, if if anyone's (laughs) listening and you're interested in seeing how some of this machinery works check out on Facebook just type in Made Thread Company because they post some videos and they're they're kind of fascinating so Rusty thank you very much uh, for taking the time to talk with us today
1: Yeah, yeah, no problem. It's good to be here.
0: Thanks, John. All right. So, this is John Breyer with Mainly Matters, and uh, thanks for stopping by. We'll be back with a new episode in the near future. Thank you.